Welcome to Wheel to Wheel F1. I'm Noah Hicks, joined by Tanner Hicks and Lance Ellington. And those are the normal guests. We're also joined by our good friend, Mitchell Thicky McGee Shirley, uh, for a guest episode to kind of jump on with us, talk a little bit about his favorite team, Alpha Tauri, the American team, and, and Haas. You know, he kind of got into the sport the same time as us. So we kind of want to get his perspective because we all have our bias takes. He has some different biases. So wanted to chuck him on and, and bring him on for, for the episode. But before we jump into all that, like, Mitchell, how's it going? It's good. You guys finally talked me into doing this by just asking. Uh, turns out it wasn't that hard. Yeah, no, it's going good. Longtime listener, longtime fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're real, real, real established here on Wheel to Wheel F1. Hey man, we're covering most of the continents right now. I think the only thing we don't have is Australia and Antarctica. Other than that, though, I think we're covering most. Yeah, Mitchell, you, just like all of our other listeners, are more than just a statistic. And I just want you to know that. <laughs> Each and every one of you holds a special place in our hearts. But man, how, how are you guys doing this week? We don't have Formula One racing. You know, we're not going to be seeing these cars on the track this week after having back-to-back races to start. Tanner, how are you doing? Are you looking forward to the break? You going to miss it? Um, This week in particular, I think I'm going to miss it. This weekend is a little bit more open than some others might be. So I got a lot of time on my hands. I'm, I guess I'll be watching golf. So, you know, not as exciting as F1, but I'll take it. But, you know, breaks are always good. I mean, it's as needed for the drivers as it is for our fearless editor, Noah. So we'll give him the break, and I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Hey, it is much appreciated. I'm going to be going to a wedding this weekend, so got, got some stuff to do. May have to fold in some work for, for this weekend as well because pretty busy right now, but... Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to having the break. Uh, maybe maybe some more time to do some groceries and run some errands. Nothing fun, but, you know. No, really got to on yourself. It's the little things. Yeah, I got to do some adulting this weekend, right? Got to catch up on all this stuff we've been we've been pushing off because we've just been busy with the podcast and with Formula One and with work. Got to do some adulting. I did my taxes last week, man. Not the first time I've done that, but like, <laughs> that was fun. That's good. That's good. But anyway, yeah, no racing this week. And then the next, you know, the main reason they're probably taking this break is because the drivers and the teams will be going all the way out to Melbourne in Australia, being back at that track, I think for the first time in a couple of years. So that should definitely be fun. And Danny Rick to be at his home track. But anyway, I think we can go ahead and get into this uh, interview and this conversation with Mitchell today and just start off, Mitchell. Uh, how'd you get into Formula One and things like that? What do you like about the sport? What do you not like about it? So just t- tell the listeners where you're coming from. I didn't think about it because uh, I want to say, Tanner, you were the first one to start watching Drive to Survive a couple years ago. And then yeah. it was Noah or Lance after that. And then I was one of the last ones to get to it. Um, I think I hopped in Silverstone last year, last season, because I remember seeing that live, but I can't remember what else passed that. But uh, yeah, so got in with all the drama, like most of the American market at this point, I think, from what it sounds like. 
And then after that, I just started really enjoying racing, which I'd never been experienced or I'd never experienced before. And the engineering, love it. So great. Uh, the new regulations, just the aerodynamics of it, the ground effects, amazing, all of it. Well, and I just, I love it. So good. Tell, tell us about that engineering stuff that you enjoy. I mean, you're talking to three, three business guys who maybe don't have that technical knowledge. So what kind of draws you in from that standpoint? I mean, I feel like it's pretty easy to say that F1 cars, especially, I mean, that modern F1 cars are engineering just masterpieces um, from the safety features to the, the carbon fiber that makes up all of the parts to the ground effects themselves, like I said just how they use just different principles compared to how normal cars are made to the point that I wish I had like a front wing and Venturi tubes on the bottom of my car. So I could go faster around like the 50 mile an hour curves. <laughs> That's just sport mode, right? I don't have sport mode in my car, but <laughs> I guess that might be what it is. We'll get some, we'll get some hot wheels and just go crazy. Um, but we know these engineers, you know, at least for Williams, they're, they're worried about the speed and even more so they're worried about uh, fixing Nicoli, Nicholas Latifi's car every week. So just want to shout Ouch. that out there too. Yeah. <laughs> that, Oof. Was un, that, that, that was unprompted. You're just and taking no swings at Nicky. I will no say in, in Latifi's defense, uh, there's someone on the Formula One subreddit that is keeping track of the World Destructors Championship. And after this weekend, uh, Mick Schumacher is back in the lead to potentially retain his championship from last year. Interesting um, stuff. Interesting. Yeah, but people like Mick. That's the problem. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he's not going to be the the scapegoat that Latifi's becoming now that Mazepin's gone. That's a good point that he's just kind of taken over that role. But no, back to the uh, to the engineering point. I will say I don't necessarily, as Noah said, you know we're all we're all business here uh, as the host, but. I don't understand what's all happening with these cars, you know, all the engineering and advancements behind it, but I do appreciate watching the sport and knowing I'm kind of watching like the, the peak of engineering when it comes to cars or like the peak of racing in the world. It's just a, that's a fun thing to know as a fan, whether or not I'm going to understand it all. Yeah. Agreed. Real, uh, real cutting edge stuff, real cutting edge <laughs> stuff. We're <laughs> I mean, we got we've got those great McLaren ads where they're just talking about technology and kind of these technology platforms, but they're making the cars that that are maybe even more cutting edge. So that's definitely cool to think about. I mean, we 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 touched on Mazepin just a second ago, Mitchell. Tell us tell us about Haas. I know you've been kind of reconsidering your your fandom as of late. T -t tell us about that. Yeah, I. Uh... I get, like I said, I came into it watching Drive Survive, and in that, I really started liking Haas because as an American watching Formula One, it was nice to see an American team. And uh, I feel like there was a pretty big focus in those first two, three seasons on Haas. Um, if I'm remembering right, I'd have to go back and rewatch them to say for sure, but... Gunther uh, Steiner's the main character. Specifically, Gunther Steiner <laughs> was the standout. And then, you know they kind of became the Russian team in a weird way. I guess I shouldn't say kind of because they were essentially bought out by a Russian guy all but officially and then made their car the Russian flag, which kind of soured the whole team for me a little bit. But now now they're gone. They used all the Russian money to make a what seems like a pretty good car, especially in comparison to last year. 
And uh, now they got KMAG back, which has been really fun. It's amazing to see kind of what having that experience and that level of a driver does to a team. I mean, we saw the polar opposite last year with Mick beating Mazepin almost every weekend. And now we're seeing K-Mag pretty significantly outperform Mick, despite his accidents. I mean, we, we can talk about that. He's had some pretty bad luck uh, throughout both races. But we're, we're seeing kind of the opposite end of a spectrum. I mean, obviously, we know this Haas car is a lot faster. But say they still have Mazepin and Mick as their driver pairing for this car, they might not have any points and we might be singing a completely different tune for Haas. So it's, it's pretty interesting to think about the effect of having a driver of Kevin Magnuson's caliber. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing that I like to think about when I'm talking about Haas is, um, you know, like you said, no, we're talking about them getting Kevin Magnuson in and, you know, last season it was tough to figure out, was it all the, Obviously, we've learned later it was pretty much all the car being uh, behind everybody else. But at least at the very beginning, you had to wonder, it's like, oh, is it a, is it the car that's, you know, so much slower than everyone else on the grid? Or is it just these two rookie drivers? There was no real way of knowing. And now we have this known commodity in the team has been Kevin Magnuson. And we're seeing them perform. We're seeing the Haas Renaissance right in front of us and just in time for Andretti to potentially join the grid in, in a few years. So uh, hopefully we get to see some American rivalry. That would be pretty fun. But um, it's great to see Haas now <laughs> embracing the American side of them, unlike like they were last year and uh, and coming back into the fray a little bit. No, definitely. And a big part of it is K-Mag. A big part of it is they just put a lot of money into the car this year and have been able to get a great car behind it. And I believe using Ferrari as their engine supplier, which we've seen, has been pretty good this year on the grid. And then on top of that, I do think Mick has taken a step forward, even if it is just maybe more comfortable with the car with the team, because he was near the points in the first race granted everything that happens we know what took place at Jeddah this past weekend going out in quality but I think Haas is in a good position I think it's really good for them moving forward because each year with Formula One especially with the Drive to Survive show now new fans are coming into the sport right around this time of the year you kind of have a lull and stuff especially here in america right march madness is kind of dwindling down there's some time there's the masters but nba is at the end of the season not too interesting not a whole lot with nfl right now you know kind of a break so it's a great time for new fans to get into the sport start watching formula one and it's fun to you know it's fun to root for a team who's challenging for the points especially and is performing well and i think that's going to bode well for haas this season a lot Americans love supporting Americans. That's one theme that kind of carries through in sports, especially just having watched USA absolutely throttle Panama uh, to hopefully ensure our spot in the World Cup just a couple nights ago. Okay, I'm editing this right now, guys. And we made the World Cup. Let's go. And now we track back to your previously scheduled content. No, definitely. It's, it's a, it's a fun thing. And I don't know how much, I don't know if we've talking about it yet on the podcast at all. 
I don't know how much there is a, a a country v country thing like there maybe is in in some of these international sports or something like the Olympics or the World Cup where it's like America versus the UK versus this for these different drivers. I still see it more as like Haas versus this other team rather than like America versus the UK. It's like, you know, Haas versus McLaren or something like that is more the trend I see. What do you think, Tanner? Yeah, I, I think it it's almost more of a driver basis for uh, that type of conversation where we see the, the Dutch army really, really back Max as probably the biggest traveling fan group in all of F1. Not probably, they definitely are. Um, we see fans go crazy for Checo from Mexico. We see the Spaniards go crazy for Sainz and Alonso. And you can go on name almost every driver on the grid and, and see just how how nuts everybody goes for the drivers from their respective countries. And so I don't know that we see any rivalry, but we definitely see a lot of passion and support coming for fans of certain drivers uh, throughout the different nations that are represented in F1. No, I definitely agree. And as uh, as we continue, I do want to stick with Haas and this kind of Haas renaissance for a bit longer. So we're talking about how they are an American team. Mitchell, I'm going to throw a question at you, kind of impromptu, but what, who do you think is a good American company to sponsor Haas moving forward? Like what would look good on the side of that car? How could they change up the color scheme? You know, obviously they're going to keep Haas somewhere on the car, but what company do you see being a good pairing if you, if you had a dream pair for kind of an American sponsor with them? Just immediate thoughts. I think American and sponsors, I think of all the awful advertisements that McDonald's and Coca-Cola and all of those companies do. But then I thought about it a bit more and I realized the cars would look completely terrible if they tried to do any kind of just color scheme to match those companies. Especially I feel like McDonald's would just be kind of ripping off Ferrari unless they did a yellow and red, but I don't think that would look too great. Yeah, they can't do red. Um, see the golden arches on a on a formula one car just have that as the rear wing that'd be kind of that'd be great that's some great marketing right there we we called it the sport of billionaires earlier the sport of millionaires in an earlier podcast and then a mcdonald's sponsor i don't know if that's if that's the perfect match i mean i don't think they would care if mcdonald's was willing to pay what oracle's paying red bull i don't think anyone would care they'd just be like all right yeah you want some golden arches on the rear wing now you can get some golden arches there um, I would say Microsoft, but I think that's, I think, don't they already provide some electronics for formula one? I feel like I see Microsoft branding every now and then, um, like on the screens they put in front of the drivers when they're in the garage, but that's a tough one. I feel like it'd be some really obscure company that just somehow has a lot of money that no one talks about ever. Um, that's probably the most likely i mean i feel like that's most of those sponsors i've never heard of them but they just make a ton of money and they can pay for a formula one team i could rock with with a coke haas partnership i think that'd be fun i think because it works for the current color scheme right i mean just mix up the red and white a little bit i think that's not bad See, i have a problem with that though because like i think coke would be an interesting sponsor for Haas. um because again america all the way mcdonald's and coca-cola what's more representative of america but i really like their color scheme now i was i was kind of wishing they would left off the red to leave that space shuttle look they had going for a little bit there when they dropped urakali but um Mm. i think i got one in mind that goes with the color 
scheme, but would maybe add some difference. And I, I don't know my history too well. They may have already sponsored a car previously, maybe even Ferrari for a very short period of time. But I think FedEx, you know, they're headquartered out of Memphis, Tennessee. I think there's a lot of stuff you could do with the orange and purple and with the arrow that they have in their logo and just kind of change it up. We don't necessarily have the purple on the grid. Tanner, do you have any thoughts? It would be something. Um, I, I'm definitely not going to shut it down. It's not the first company I thought of, but it would be cool. I mean, you know, granted, like any any company that I know about that I feel that I uh, appreciate in some way, shape or form is going to be cool to see on the grid. I mean, <laughs> hell, two years ago, we saw Haas sponsored by Rich Energy with that black and gold. Why not go for UPS instead? <laughs> but um with uh with something that they had before just bring up all the old uh old concepts from that those livery designs but um no it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if they ever went after somebody in some of those big companies in in the u.s to, to try and uh to inject some money into that team who uh you know struggle more than most in finding any yeah, I mean, do we even know if they've figured out what's what they're going to do for, going forward? Because they're still using the Ural Collie money this year because they kind of invested it last year. Do, do, they, do they have a solution going forward? Are they potentially going to go away? I mean, I don't want to see it. it I, it's fun having them around. Gene is reinvigorated. He, uh, he's back, he's back in it. He, he feels strongly again and he's back, back in the, in the Haas branding and, and Gene is going to keep putting money in. I, I've seen things that are saying he's trying to pump in a little bit more than he has been in the last couple of years. Glad to yeah, hear about, Thanks, I, Gene. And I want to say, I also saw something about, there are some, I guess, suitors, shall we say, that are willing to step up. Don't know what size in those investments. And I don't know if any companies were outright named. But Formula One's a growing sport. You know, we mentioned it after the Bahrain race, how many people watched it. And we see that growing, I think, each year in each race. And so I think it's going to be a great time, you know, for sponsors to still get in because I think Formula One is well below its, uh, its potential or what it could reach kind of worldwide and in America specifically. Yeah, and billionaires like seeing their name on these cool cars. That's, that's one thing for sure. But I think I think building off of Haas, Mitchell, let's talk to you a little bit about Alpha Tauri. How, why'd you choose them? What what made you do that? I mean, they you, you barely even knew them as Alpha Tauri. They were Toro Rosso for pretty much all of Drive to Survive. Yeah. So fun thing about that, uh, I don't know actually if I told any of you guys this, but. When we all started watching this, I remember we talked about like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we had our teams and we all rooted for them? And I think, Noah, you might have already been like, I want to root for Ferrari. Lance, you're like, I want to root for McLaren. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I need to pick a team and quick so it doesn't get taken and I'm not copying somebody. Uh, And I think I just watched the episode of Drive to Survive where Pierre Gasly won at Monza. And I thought, that works. I'll just go with that. Um and so now I am a very big Alpha Tauri fan. Um, got a shirt and everything. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, I've been happy with it. Uh, they had a really good performance last season, uh, or more so Pierre, I guess. But overall, uh, Yuki has shown some 
pretty good potential at tracks. He still seems to be struggling a bit like he did last season, but uh, overall I'm hopeful for the season. So tell us about that a little bit. Where, where do you see Pierre going in five, five years? I mean, he's a pretty young guy. He's, seems like he's got a lot of potential. Do you think he stays at Alpha Tauri? Do you think that's his ceiling, these midfield teams? Do you think he leaves? And then, and then I want to hear your take on Yuki and his future. So first thoughts with Pierre. That one's a little tough because I don't know enough about the sport yet and like people's driving styles and everything. But Pierre has, last season especially, can't really speak on this season yet. Um, last season, very consistent with qualifying. Very consistently good results. He pretty much matched Alpine last season by himself. And I feel like that's a very respectable, almost like impressive thing to do. But he is great in qualifying, maybe not so much in races. Uh, there were a lot of times where I don't know if it was race strategy or if he just wasn't as great with the race craft where he got caught up from somebody and ended up in a worse position than he started. I don't know if he's going to go back to a front runner team like Red Bull again. I think it's my gut feeling is more of a upper midfield is the kind of caliber driver he is. Maybe if everything goes right, he could get some wins, but um, I just don't know if that's it for Pierre. Yeah. I, I, I kind of see him as an upper midfield kind of above average tier driver. I, I, I think he's, he's good at qualifying. I, I wonder maybe if it's sometimes the race start, it seems like he's not as, as a prone prone's not the word but he he's not as ready to make kind of a bold move at the start as some drivers are and so sometimes we don't see him in these crazy high positions just and and maybe that's a race strategy too i mean we're, we're seeing alfa romeo kind of struggle with their starts in both of the races so far they've been kind of slow off the get-go but uh, yeah i, I I don't know what it is with Pierre. I mean, he seems like a bit of a conservative driver, maybe. Maybe that's a word for it, but definitely an above average guy. Yeah, yeah I he, think uh, he's a good, he's he a good treats benchmark. treats him like a marathon. Yeah. That's a good way to say it, Mitchell. He treats him like a he, – he's more of a benchmark. That's a good point. Uh, but, yeah, maybe he's, he's not as aggressive at the start, and he's kind of treats the races more as a marathon, We I think. Yeah, especially last year, it seemed like he raced alone a little bit. I'm trying yeah, to think he, he, what race that was. I know which one you're talking about. I mean, it happened a couple of times, but there was one race in particular. He just sat in fourth place with, uh, I think, 20 seconds ahead of him to third and then 20 seconds behind him to fifth and just coasted through the entire race when no one noticed him. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, love that because that was great points for Afatari. But It was very ref- reminiscent of George's race uh in saudi arabia this past weekend where like like you said he's just racing on his own he's kind of just going along and and that's what you want from him when he's in those types of positions with a car that you know isn't going to be as quick as a uh a mercedes a red bull a ferrari um it's great to see you know you not having to worry about actually racing them uh and not getting challenged by the ones behind you too from you know whatever circumstances though may be there uh it'll be interesting to see as we go on this season if we keep seeing that from teams and drivers just with uh 
with the following distance going way down in, in terms of the regulations allowing the drivers to stay closer uh, to the cars in front of them. It'll be interesting to see if we see drivers driving on their own uh, as often this year as we did last year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And now, Mitchell, you didn't answer. What do you what do you think about Yuki? This is this his last year with the team? Is does he have a big future? Is is, is where are you at on Yuki? Because you're biased. Oh, I'm very biased. Uh, but even I can acknowledge that. I mean, I like Yuki. The stuff I've seen about him, he seems really fun. Him and Pierre, they're like they they mesh together well. They seem like a fun pairing. But man, he's just not putting in the results that he needs to. Um, it's kind of weird right now with the car too because I can't really tell if it's that other teams just got better and so that's why they're kind of it feels like they're being a little bit lower than they were on average last season um or if they made their if their cards a bit worse but pierre is still giving it his all putting in the same results and yuki i i think he's giving it his all and i think he's getting the same results um i'm hoping from you know potentially since he raced in japan not formula two, anything like that. He's not familiar with a lot of these tracks. He put in a great performance last year in was it Abu Dhabi. Was that the last race of the season? Mm-hmm. Yep. Was that, he got P four mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm hoping he can maybe do that in Suzuka this season because we didn't get to see it last season and maybe a couple other tracks here and there. But if he's consistently not getting in the points again this season, I don't know if he's going to stay around, especially with Honda, not being as prominent this season. Yeah, and that's the confusing thing with Yuki. It's clear that he's capable of putting the car in those positions. He's got that ability because he's done it on on occasion, but it's it's almost just coming too often when he's having bad luck. And, and, and it's tough, too, because he finished in the points in the first race this year, and then he had bad luck this, this race in Jeddah because the Red Bull powertrain is un, unreliable. So... It's tough. I, I'm eager to see how he does for the rest of the year. I think he's he's got to he's got to show us something for sure, because Red Red Bull won't wait long. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't expect to see another 82 point gap between him and Pierre Gasly this season. Uh, I don't think it'll be that big, but I think it'll be close. Sorry, that's just that that's statistic i is just one between the drivers that i'm not gonna forget i think that 82 point gap was nuts and so i just haven't forgotten about it and it's a testament to how great pierre was last year but it's also as we've been saying uh i guess a, a worrying sign from from what we've seen from yuki so we'll see if he can turn it around he's definitely shown the potential well one thing with that 82 point gap though I would say as we've seen from even drivers, you have experience with formula three, formula two, even getting on some of these tracks during their time then is that it's still a steep learning curve. I think coming into formula one, it's a whole new world, you know, a whole new, whole new car, new teams and stuff like that. So steep learning curves for even guys like Mick, Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris, George Russell, who paid their dues. And for Yuki, you know, who paid his dues, but in a different way, definitely, I think saw those growing pains last year. 
And I, I agree. I don't think we're going to see that 82 point spread. Part of it's because I think the top of the field is so strong that it would be very lucky, lucky for Pierre to even get fourth twice or even fourth once, if we're being quite honest. So that's one reason I see it closing, but I do see some hope for Yuki there. And overall, though, I will say the pairing is just really fun to watch. I think they're one of the more fun pairings. They do a lot of fun stuff. We talked about it in our team review episode of some of the fun videos they make uh, that they've done together. And I will never forget the picture of them. I think it was in the Austria Grand Prix where they where they dressed up in the uh, the local attire, I should say. What are those called? Uh, Lederhosen? Yeah. No, that was a great picture. Because that was, was it just those two or were Max and Checo in them as well? No, it's just that. It's just those two. Okay. But they do do stuff with Max and Checo, I think, yeah. quite a bit, kind of some driver on driver fun or something. It's a good pairing. It's a fun pair. That, and that's fun to see as a fan, whether it's just for PR. I, I like when teams kind of put their drivers in these fun situations, especially when it's local to the circuit. I, I think that's always fun. Uh, just, Oh, these guys might actually be friends and they're not just crazy competitors. I, I like that. I feel like this year you're going to see something very similar to that. When they go to Suzuka, they're going to make a big deal of it being essentially Yuki's home circuit. Um, and just really just driving that in, you may get Pierre dressed up and something, uh, get another photo op. <laughs> A kimono would be great. That was probably what I was thinking of, but I could not think of the word to save my life. I would, um, I'd, I'd love to see all the drivers, you know, that, that when they stand up by their cars and, you know, their groups of two, they should do that in their uh, team colored kimonos, I think would oh. make for a great, a great calendar, a yeah. Formula One driver kimono wearing calendar. Come on. Formula One, you can be paying us for these ideas. We're a gold mine on the wheel to wheel F1 podcast. Well, I mean, the, the Red Bulls could be kind of like fashioned into the flowers that they have on kimonos. And stuff oh, yeah. Like oh, it's yeah. There's endless stream of possibilities. Oh, yeah. Infinite, man. Yeah, we could have won the costume design Oscars last night. <laughs> I will say also thinking about Suzuka, um, last season, the Red Bull white livery was for Suzuka. So I'm interested to see if they're going to have something else like that again this year point is that was probably my favorite one from last season that one was clean that one was really clean yeah don't think oh, i'm speak, gonna get speaking to of our alpine finally moving on yep, from their they're done B- we got bwt we got through our first two races all the force india jokes are done people are gonna stop hopefully force india racing point jokes would would not mind being done seeing those on social media um but yeah that i i, I was just gonna say i'm gonna get to the end of the season and there's no circumstance where i say the best uh event themed uh livery that we saw throughout the season is the all pink alpine car so not not sad to uh to be moving on from that i can definitely say that for sure i was meaning Unless- to ask you about that because i remember they did the fake reveal and then they did the real reveal but then they started the first two races with the fake car. And I was very confused on that. And I just kind of accepted it and realized you were probably very sad. No. Yeah. This was the the plan from the get go. They knew they were going to do the first two races in the all pink. That's as a, it's a huge homage to BWT who's now 
you know, front and center in everything that Alpine's been putting out. Thanks, Otmar, for the sponsorship money. But um, but yeah, we'll be getting back to the normal blue and pink livery for the rest of the season. So I am looking forward to seeing that on track. I, I, I definitely enjoyed watching it a little bit during testing. I will say I was a little critical of the pink on the Alpine when it first came out and we talked about it on the podcast, but we saw a ton of it during this past race in Saudi Arabia and it didn't look that bad. I actually, you know, it wasn't a big deal for me. I enjoyed it. And what makes it good, I guess, is that there's two good drivers in there that are racing hard and competitive. So I wasn't really that focused on the pink and it did help me uh, pick them out, you know, in a DRS train or anything like that, which is definitely nice as a fan. You know, whenever I can pick out a car or a driver pretty easily just based off the colors. True. And it's funny, too, because we've been talking about sponsors a lot this this episode so far with Haas potentially going forward with an American sponsor, just us kind of dreaming here. And I actually, you know, Mitchell mentioned the F1 subreddit. I saw on the subreddit today, I think, was... It was the search results or the the number of searches for BWT over the last week or so. And it was a crazy spike during the race in Saudi Arabia because they were just plastered everywhere. And so it works. There's a reason companies do this. It's not just a vanity project. It it actually kind of helps their business and their their brand a little bit. Um, So, yeah, no, just just kind of an interesting interesting fact I wanted to chuck out there before we moved on yeah interesting (laughs) no (laughs) no no that is interesting um and yeah I mean I think it's great opportunities for these companies is it going to give them the highest you know ROI the best return maybe not but when you just talk about volume of people who watch the sport especially if you're an international company or that's where it's really going to help you Formula One's one of the best places to do it. You know, it's hard to think of a of a better place where you're going to get bang for your buck when you're talking number of eyeballs that are going to see your logo or, or your name, I would say. Number of eyeballs. So what do we think about that? I mean, eye, eyeballs. Are you going into wheels, about how many of the exact wheels, number of eyeballs are watching this sport? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it just kind of reminded me of the the wheels or doors thing. Okay, no, I'm going to move on from that. I have no idea what you're talking about. But Mitchell, all I want to hear, hear from you, what? I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I'm sorry, Tanner. I'm waving my hands. Wait, wheel, what do you mean wheels or doors? Sh- share, Noah. Where you, I wanna... Is that not the... Have you guys not No, but share. This? Share. What are you talking about? Okay. Well, well if you've been is this, on social media... Is this PG? Media, yeah. Okay. Have you, been, have you been on social media at all recently? There's a pretty huge debate going on if there's more wheels or doors in the world. Oh my that's god. Pr- that's pretty much it. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's how more does, in the- <laughs> are, wait, how does that tie into what we were talking about with eyeballs? Are we about to ask if there are more eyeballs in the world than wheels? Well, yeah, it just kind of reminded me. So I, I was like, maybe we can chuck eyeballs into the debate. <laughs> just for those listening, my opinion okay. is it's wheels. <laughs> they <laughs> They've got it. <laughs> I would guess you were wrong. Yeah, I, you have doors or eyeballs. I was all, eyeballs. <laughs> eyeballs. Uh, I have I have I have wheels. 
I have wheels by a huge margin. If I'm being gears. honest, gears can wheels. be considered wheels. If you look oh, well, if you're, okay. Yes. If you're getting that technical. Oh, then... okay. No, I I'm thinking if you think wheels, we're not just talking car tires. We're talking like desk chair wheels. I'm thinking That's construction. Fair. There's a lot of vehicles that people don't own. And then there's a lot of people who own more than one vehicle. Drone motorcycles. I don't know. We can guess. Know, but we're also talking animals uh, with eyes. I mean, spiders, right? Like, oh, oh well, we're done. I'm thinking uh-huh. human eyes. I apologize. It's, yeah, we're getting like throwing fish in gears. And we're throwing in animals. Okay, uh-huh, eyeballs. <laughs> T- Tanner, Thanks. I think you had another point. Move us forward. <laughs> yeah, Noah, that was a that was a fun rabbit hole. But uh, thank you, uh, Mitchell. Before we get out of here, the biggest thing I want to know: what is your huge sweeping declaration for the rest of the season this can be Haas related this can be alpha tower related this can be anything let's shock the world here what, what do you have that's just gonna knock my socks off hot takes only this is a tough one i would have to go with haas is gonna beat alpine and oh, the constructors Mick's like gonna come it. up from behind, get comfortable, hit like stop hitting this bad luck streak. And I don't know if they're gonna I don't think they're gonna beat Mercedes. I think Mercedes has three locked in pretty good. Uh so I'd put them at four at the end of the season, which I would not have guessed beforehand. Uh, I think it was did any of you have them that high, even close to that high? No. No. Uh Nine, Tanner, I remember you and Lance had Alpha Tauri at seven, and I disagreed with that. We talked about and I'm starting to think you might be right. Yeah, McLaren uh, might fix their car and they might overtake Alvatari and get to and put them in eighth, which I wouldn't be happy about. But we were wrong about a lot. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people were. I don't think anyone was expecting what we did owe, I get first race P5? Yeah, yeah, we owe a collective apology to Haas, or at least currently we do, we assuming things stay roughly the same, but uh. Yeah, no, we were we were wrong about a lot. I had them ninth, no, and Lance had them tenth. I mean, we weren't really we were splitting hairs if we're saying we actually had anything really different. But uh, yeah, we were missing out. But you know what? I'll take that to the bank. Haas over Alpine this season is that just in general or for P four? I would say P four. Okay. All right. Because so far, circumstances and performance. So far, Magnussen is still outperforming Botas. He's higher in the drivers' championship. Uh, and Botas, by the way, super impressive. I've been thrilled with how well he's been doing in Alfa Romeo. But that's not the point. I think I think K Mag and Mick Schumacher are just going to start killing it. They're just going to run away with P four. Hell yeah! It's Very nice. written in the stars. This is uh, America's time. They've had a rough <laughs> they've had a rough go of it for the last however many years. And this is America's chance to redeem themselves in the eye of the world by getting P4 in Formula 1. <laughs> through through Formula 1 without an American driver, without American <laughs> sponsors, without an American principal. Yeah, yep. But with All the legendary NASCAR name Gene Haas on the side. <laughs> that's yeah, it I those cnc it. machines are redeeming America. i'm excited to see if that comes true well it's been a really fun conversation getting into haas getting into alphatari bringing on our first guest of wheel to wheel formula one 
and one of our best friends, my college roommate since freshman year, Mitchell Shirley. It's been awesome. But anyway, really enjoyed it all. I hope you guys are enjoying your bye week, taking a break for Formula One, but you don't have to be far removed. Drive to Survive is available. Our team episodes are available. If you haven't listened to our two race reviews, go check that and relive the first two races of the season during this off time. But anyway, as always, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, follow us on Twitter at F1 Wheel to Wheel. Thanks again, and that's the checkered flag for today. We'll see you next time on the Wheel to Wheel F1 podcast. <laughs>